0: Hi, I'm Daniel Spear. And I'm James Swabo. And you're listening to Long Beach Cheese May, a podcast presented in collaboration with Fourth.Org. Oh, I thought it was going to be You did that last
1: time. <laughs> I was trying to make it louder. It <laughs> Do
0: you want to throw in an urker?
1: <laughs> no, I can't. I can't roll my R's.
0: Oh, my gosh. I know.
1: Oh my gosh. I know. I know. I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh.
0: All right, well, today, we have the juiciest, oh, most succulent I'm so episode we've been waiting for. I was
1: literally doing all the research for this. And I was like, I was like literally texting Daniel. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I have so much I want to tell you. And I said, so Don't much. text me. I can't five. tell you anything <laughs> because I have to wait for the pot. It's all juicy. Uh, it's all good. So it's even better too because we <laughs> have a wonderful guest. Oh I'm gosh. super excited. So uh, today we are joined by our good friend, Stefan Borsensulo, who is oh a local criminal defense attorney. Mm-hmm. and a former city staff member in Long Beach City Hall. What's up, Stefan?
0: How you doing? Yeah.
1: Nope. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great.
0: <laughs> Don't bury the <laughs> lead. This man used a... to
1: work for Garcia. Stefan, who did you used to work for in City Hall?
2: So I worked for uh, Robert Garcia when he was the vice mayor and uh, first district city council person from 2013 to 2014. And then I worked for his successor at the first district, Lena Gonzalez, uh, for a month in 2014.
0: Gotcha.
1: And you even like broke your arm in that time. That's a good story. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Is that related?
1: That's we'll save that for another episode. Yeah, okay. That's okay. That's, the that's break your arm story.
0: Used. That's Patreon. Content, yeah, obviously, <laughs> obviously <laughs> paid two good, dollars for that such one. Such a good story.
1: Yeah. So, the reason you're here joining us yeah. is because we, just at the time of this recording, we um, are now fully recovered from our hangovers from the primary election <laughs> yeah. um, for that we just had yeah. in June 20—what year is it? 2022? 2022? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Baby. laughs> so, let the poppers do something to you. Yay. So, one of the things that came out of this uh, primary election Mm -hmm. is we are electing a new Congress member. Yes. And there's two top frontrunners. The first one is Robert Garcia, who is currently the mayor of Long Beach. Yes. Robert is the Mm frontrunner. He is facing off now in in the November election. Yes. At, with a Republican, and just to give you context, even though he's not outright one, this is an extremely Democratic congressional district. Yeah, he he is basically like the anointed next Congress member. Pretty much, you know, the November election is just a little like you know a pomp and circumstance, mm-hmm. and we all get to enjoy more Robert Garcia mail coming to our, Great. our doorsteps. doorstep.
0: I love it. The origami figurines <laughs> I've been making out of the, the mailers <laughs> I've been getting. I'm like, ooh, I yeah. got a Susie Price crane, a, yeah. uh, a, a <laughs> Rex <laughs> Richardson little. <laughs> like a uh, little frog, on those hopping frogs. I got it going on. So I
1: think all of that led up to this point for us thinking about like, okay, everybody, we listen, love y'all listeners of the pod. Everybody's like, when are you doing a Robert Garcia yeah. episode? The
0: people in the street, they hound me. I'll be like, please, the please children, no, no pictures, no pictures. The children are hungry. Here yeah, we yeah, are. Yeah, it's yeah, a feed. Yeah. We're so. at the club and we'll be grinding on somebody and be like, when are you doing a Robert Garcia episode? And I'm like, oh, please. Oh my God, we just met. Oh
1: <laughs> my God. And so... Here we are, here we are. And I think for, you know, when we were talking to Stefan about this, we had so much fun thinking about like, how do we really talk about like, what is it that Robert Garcia did in his early career that Mm -hmm. positioned him to this point to now be such a key player in Long Beach politics? I mean, like, here's like the the legit thing too, like even pre this congressional run, but especially this congressional run, like Robert Garcia is everywhere right now. And he's He's now on this national stage, right? Where it's just like, people are like, Oh my god and I how many people have I met where they're like, "Oh, you're from Long Beach?" "Oh my god, you have a gay mayor. Oh my god. this was so you cool. You did it. You did it. So they cool. hold you
0: and they, they look at you and they go, yeah. "You're so brave."
1: Do you hear that often when you talk to other attorneys?
0: <laughs> it it bef-
2: definitely distinguishes us as a city. Um <laughs> yeah. And it, And he's into
0: Star Wars?
2: <laughs> very very emblematic of a certain, you know, uh post-Obama's type of type of politics that has sure. continued on but melded in with, you know, modern Urban realities Yeah
0: Yeah yeah. He can hang And he knows what a meme is You know So, <laughs> so like Give him I, yeah. all the power <laughs> I, 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 I hate that
1: So <laughs> we're going to This is a wild story Because I think to, We're really going to tackle And like How did he get to where he is today Right We're going to There's so much Of his like History and trajectory Like mm-hmm. that we can dig into mm-hmm. But it's a wild story We're going to start In like the early days the Early The early Early days and By early days I mean like the 90s <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we're going to really all dive right. into like his time at Cal State Long Beach and even him getting on to city council. So mm. buckle in. Oh this is gonna God. be fun.
0: This is early days. Early days. So we're talking like what year? Can we set the scene with a year? We'll get there. We'll First get there? off, okay. Who is Robert Garcia? Who is Robert How Garcia? is Robert Garcia? Yeah. Stefan, m-
1: the question we all have, is Robert Garcia top or a bottom? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's really the most important thing we pulled you on here for. Yeah. Maybe? Uh, my <laughs> my money, my money's on top. Honestly, I don't know. I don't so? know. I mean, I just think granted boy, your credentials are. You are. A top, I am a top. So
1: I don't frat boy energy to mind. No, but
2: <laughs> he wears iron khakis. Oh
1: God, that could mm. mean anything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but he's a politician. Like yeah.
0: you know, let oh, me switch it up. Know. Anyway, here's the thing. When I think of gay politicians, I obviously go to Pete Buttigieg. And when I think about who's a top or a bottom, I go, neither. They kiss through a sheet that they have slit <laughs> holes in.
1: So how did you first meet Robert? Like, how did you get connected to him and all of this stuff?
0: Uh, Twitter.
2: I was writing a blog. No way. Of- yeah. What? <laughs> you that job! <laughs> so, 2000 and 2010, what was this? This would have been 2012, I was blogging a lot about okay. the congressional race, which was then the 47th district, uh, Lowenthal versus uh, DeLong, mm. and uh, randomly started getting a follower, and I noticed it was an elected official. Oh, uh, wow. It was Robert Garcia. And, wow. uh, interacting with a couple of times, saw that, you know, he was actually pretty proficient at his own communications. Um, didn't, he, he had a voice that was Definitely not a staffer's. Um, okay. But definitely showing kind of an advanced knowledge of, how, of online culture, even mm. for that time. Um, and so when he announced that he was running, I just happened to be studying for the bar at the time and straight up asked him and said, Hey, do you have any work? Because I needed some. Yeah. And uh, I think that corresponded at the same time that uh, Daniel Brezinov had left the city. So he needed a space for a white nerd on his uh, his
1: staff. (laughs) (laughs) And And you fit the token. And I fit the token. That's incredible. You got the job through Twitter. America. Yeah. So that's really interesting because I think you hit on something that I think, like, if we're thinking about, like, how did Robert get to, like, all of the power that he has now in this position? Like, I think you have, we have to talk about his, like, just huge focus on his image, like, PR, right? Mm. Like, all of those different pieces, right? I mean, I think that's, like, something that was just so— that he does, like, you know, look, love him or hate him, he does really well. Yeah. Right?
2: Yeah, his—like I said, he's one of the few people who, going way back, has managed his own communications. Every press release was written by him personally. Mm. Um, his social media has always been controlled by him unilaterally. Uh, even front-facing city stuff, that stuff that he develops his own yeah. on his own. Now, from you know, kind of a more caddy level, um, one of the his <laughs> personal, the, one of the other staff members at the time who kind of works as his, uh, you know, body man, essentially, you know, uh-huh. very common po- position in politics. You know, the the guy who hands him his gum, that sort of thing. Right,
0: important. You yeah, need important. somebody there. To, yeah. Yeah. I've seen yeah. Veep.
2: I've seen Veep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up, the guy that guy from Veep. That's who he was. Yeah, and uh, he taught me. He told me specifically about the, um, uh, the the extent and the uh, care that goes into his hair. Apparently, it's a wake no. up. Yeah, it's a wake up and an hour long process of sculpting it. In
1: so that's Flotus, right? In, like, to, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. that's I knew. My my coworker called it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
2: oh my god! It's a multi step process. Uh, you know, some sort of like American cycle type of thing where you are using multiple different substances in order oh to basically god. craft this thing.
1: Okay, so that's bottom energy, just to be <laughs> on the record, right? Because like, I'm not gonna tell you how much time I spent on my hair today. Mm, I guess that is
0: bottom right. <laughs> energy. (laughs) All right.
1: so let's dig into it because i think like there's to that point there's so so like there's a lot of points in his like career and like trajectory and like leadership roles and things like that that have like worked up to this point right so i want to start with like him um and do you know you have a little you have a little bit about robert's background and even like his family's like immigration story right a little bit
2: (laughs) essentially what i heard is that um his parents overstayed their visa, a uh, student visa. Hmm. And, um, while, ha- in the, while bringing him away from what was a genuinely violent situation in Peru mm-hmm. at the time, you had, a uh, you, you had drug violence and a Maoist insurgency going on right. simultaneously. So it was a good time to bail. Yeah. Um, and at that point, now I have to check on the fact on the facts of this. I don't believe his parents stayed together once after a couple of years of being in the U S mm-hmm. um, his dad more or less, uh, was out of the picture at that point. And so he was living almost entirely with his mom, who was working, you know, like multiple jobs in order to keep them afloat.
1: Yeah. From- yeah. So, I think that's a good entryway for us to start with detailing some of his, the highlights of his, the the, the best hits from his Cal State Long Beach days. So oh my gosh. If you don't know, one of the things that Robert Garcia, like, loves to talk about yeah. is the fact that, you know, go beach, go sharks, whatever we're doing nowadays. <laughs> like, he is a Cal State Long Beach alum. So, he, uh, Robert Garcia, you know, graduated from Covina High School, mm-hmm. came to Cal State Long Beach in 1995, the 95. fall of 1995. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, and he um, also one of the things he loves to brag about he pledged uh, Delta Chi and was a fraternity sure as the frat bro oh, and yeah. um, when he came to Cal State Long Beach, Robert Garcia uh, is uh, really involved in his fraternity at Cal State Long Beach, Delta Chi. Mm-hmm. He eventually gets into very various leadership positions within his fraternity, um, and eventually in, at Cal State Long Beach, there's several different fraternity councils. Gotcha. So, like you have the fraternities, and they you know have elected representatives that make up their interfraternity council. Same with sororities and so on and so forth. So he actually becomes like the president. Of of the Interfraternity Council, or IFC for short, there's this really great article in the Daily 49er, which is the student-run newspaper gotcha. uh, across campus. Yeah, I remember that. And there, the first head, <laughs> the first like article that Robert Garcia ever gets mentioned in, the headline is "Greek Garcia is genuinely great." <laughs>
0: That's good. Alliteration? <laughs> yeah. That's cute. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's
1: great. And this is like the first of so many different like columns that Robert Garcia is going to publish in the Daily 49er. Okay. And I can't wait to get into it. So, Let's like, get into it. You know, Robert Garcia, he works his way into uh, fraternity leadership. Mm-hmm. He eventually works his way into um, what is the Associated Students Incorporated Student Government or like ASI
0: for short. Sure, yeah, like yeah they start Long making Beach. actual decisions. Yeah. So he okay.
1: runs, becomes a senator at large um, in their their student senate. Mm-hmm. Mm. So there's this really funny moment that happens while Robert is elected in the Associated Student Senate mm. um, that I like have to talk about because I think it just pictures what Stefan pointed up pointed out in like his early career.
0: Okay.
1: So uh, at Cal State Long Beach, there's the Daily 49er, which is a student-run
0: newspaper. Mm-hmm.
1: There's an additional newspaper that's run through Associated Students Incorporated (ASI) mm-hmm. called the Union Weekly. Yeah, and it's uh, that was more
0: goofy and has like yeah, opinion pieces. Yeah. If you've
1: been there, you know it's much more like. Goofy, a lot more satire, yeah. like, and they've like regularly run into different controversies, uh-huh. like every year, like it's yeah. just a
0: thing. Right? It's like they think they're the Daily Show, <laughs> but then they'll publish like a racist article, or right? Something. Yeah.
1: Right. So it just so happened that when Robert Garcia was in the ASI Senate, they uh, ran a satire piece comparing Robert Garcia to Hitler.
0: Ooh, yeah. Everybody, <laughs> that's when you know you've become a politician, honestly. <laughs> It's <laughs> when you know you're on the right track. Like, can you imagine what his reaction was to that? To seeing that, imagine it was overboard. <laughs> <laughs> overboard? How does he get steamed up when stuff
2: happens? Oh no, he he he, t- he very quietly just remembers it and will exact his revenge.
0: Oh my god, <laughs> that's <Okay>. way darker. <laughs> so listen, so let's
1: talk about this revenge, right? Oh my god. So okay, this is great. So when it the- comes out, right, because it's run by ASI, right? The Union Weekly is run by ASI, yeah. People are upset about it, so people in leadership decide to just remove all the papers, like, overnight from all the different stands. So that creates a backlash because they're like, yo, this is censorship. You can't censor media like this, right? Yeah. So then they put all the newspapers back, right? But then they're still like, look, this is upset. And this this is like this upsetting is upsetting. Yeah, that, yeah, this is like wrong. This, you know,
0: this how is how dare you compare our little wax man with a coma with a Hitler. <laughs> so they on, on
1: Robert's behalf, there's a bunch of people who make a whole stink, right? And okay. like, look, this is messed up and this is this is wrong. So in response to all of this, right, mm-hmm. it, it just so happens that they are the media, the ASI media um, board is about to select the new Union Weekly editor in chief. Gotcha. And so there's two candidates. Candidates. There's the person who was the interim editor-in-chief during this whole debacle. sure. And there's another candidate who just so happens, coincidentally, by just random circumstance, is in Robert's fraternity, Delta Chi. Oh, cool. Yeah. Who doesn't really have journalism background,
0: but, you know, like he's willing well, to do the job. Suddenly, right? he loves that.
1: Who do you think came out and was selected oh. by ASI to be the new editor-in-chief? ruh <laughs> <laughs> so of course they selected uh, Robert's fraternity brother from Delta Chi. Gotcha, and he becomes the new editor in chief of the Union Weekly. That's weird.
0: I, Robert doesn't strike me as a politician who puts his friends in power. I don't know. Is that is that a trend that continues throughout the years? You tell us. <laughs> <laughs> it's much better to be
2: on the in, on the brunch crowd than out of it. Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha.
0: The brunch crowd. I need to get my mimosas if I want to get a seat at the table.
1: So, you know, people are upset. They're like, yo, this is what is what's up with this, right? Like, you're <laughs> upset that what they did, right? And people are like rightfully so, people are on other other sides of it, right? They're mm-hmm. like, it was effed up, or there's like, eh, it was like satire or whatever, right? Yeah. So then, in uh, the Daily 49er, the, mm. the main student newspaper, mm-hmm. a letter to the editor pops up and gets published, and it's called My Side of the Story, and it's signed ASI Senator Robert Garcia. Cute. So, in the letter, it's it's a pretty short letter that says, um, you know, it's it, it's, it's short, tight. and it says, it seems that, you know, there's been this uh, controversy. I'd have been receiving some criticism about the way we handled the situation. Yeah. I want to take the opportunity to tell my side of the story. Says, just because I chose to appoint a fraternity brother does not indicate that it was the wrong decision. In the real world, people in power are constantly appointing their friends, relatives, and yes, fraternity brothers, in positions that would benefit them. Is it ethical or unethical? I don't
0: know. But... <coughs> So then, <laughs> unlike Hitler, <laughs> I appoint my friends <laughs> and I silence the media. <laughs> I love this ending, though. It's just like out of a
1: movie, right? Yeah. So the end of the letter is, says, if my colleagues and I have made the wrong decisions, the students can always have their voices be heard at the ballot. Oh and until that God. time, we shall make these difficult decisions for them.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> that is so- such a... Hold on. <laughs> The picture that paints is such a petulant little, shitty little man.
1: Excuse me, I'm not done with my story. (laughs) So... There immediately gets a phone call to the Daily 49er from Robert himself saying, Ooh. "I did not write that letter. What? That is a forged letter. What? And the Daily 49er staff run an article saying, allegedly Robert's saying this isn't the letter. It came from R Garcia at CSUB.edu. Robert is saying that's been a phishing attempt. What? The university is looking into it. So there's this whole debacle.
0: This is a I would watch this Netflix
1: (laughs) series. I would watch the fuck out of this. (laughs) So a week later, the university (laughs) actually comes back and actually proves that like his email this email was like from him. It was not no, it was not from him. It was sent from somewhere in the East Coast. (laughs) And so to clear the air. So to clear the air, Robert Garcia, the actual Robert Garcia this time, writes another article in the Daily 49er
0: called My
1: True Side of the Story. (laughs) I know. I, everybody's like losing it in the room right now. This
0: is amazing.
1: So of course it like it's very wax poetic and it just goes oh. on around like, you know,
0: God.
1: this like PR control about trying to handle this situation, right? Okay. So
0: he knows, okay, so hold on. He knows he knows that first letter, he was like, that makes me look bad. Yo, <laughs> Obviously. yeah. Obviously. Like
1: regardless of whether everybody realizes or truly believes that Who, you
0: didn't write it, like yeah. it makes you look but bad. But also, right? whoever did write it is a f- fucking hilarious. <laughs> good. That's really fucking good. funny. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So what a smart.
1: <laughs> so he writes this letter. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but oh we'll put God. it all. We'll put all of this in the show notes so you could read it with oh popcorn and tea and everything, oh right?
0: So I know Robert Garcia, as he's listening to this, he's like, how do I delete the old Davey 49er shit? <laughs> right, right. But like, we got
1: screenshots, buddy. <laughs> so I, I do want to read the, towards the end of his actual letter, though, because I think what's funny about it is like, okay, right, like, like, legit, okay, like, objectively, like, sure. this is a very awkward situation to be in, right? Because, like, weird. this is like, yeah, like, there's obviously clear intentions going on here to put your fraternity brother yeah. as the new editor-in-chief, right? You made this bed, though. Yeah, you know? and you now, there's this <laughs> fake letter that makes you sound just like... <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is, <laughs> uh, it, finding out that it's fake is so funny. Right. So his actual,
1: this is the, the remember, this okay. is my true side of the story from mm-hmm. Robert Garcia, mm-hmm. right? He says, so weeks later at the last meeting of our publications board, we selected a new editor-in-chief of the union, yeah. Leo Pedraza, his fraternity brother, yeah. right? Yeah. And the board, which holds elections at the end of every academic year, voted 5-2 in favor of Leo. Leo also happens to be one of my fraternity brothers. (laughs) So the union is using him as a scapegoat, stating conflict of interest. Even if I had voted against Leo, he still would have won! Exclamation point. Oh my god. I voted for whom I thought would do a better job. Is it fair to say that because a student in a certain organization, he cannot run or apply for an elected office? It would not matter if Leo was my twin brother. He has every right to, as a student to apply for any position that he chooses.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this, you know, what this doesn't make it better. Like it's, I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I disagree. I think okay. this is a
2: very good learning moment for where he's going to be, mm-hmm. uh, how he's going to be uh, utilizing his political skill in the future. Mm-hmm. So you have two different lessons that he has learned from this particular issue. One, if you are going to be uh, putting somebody into power. Uh, maybe somebody who is more representative of the uh, community at large would be a good way to be able to deflect some of this criticism, mm-hmm. because we saw what he does later. What he does later, while in while in power in the council or in as mayor. Um, he, everybody who he would be, who he'd bring in after him would be from a different target population, and that would be the, what he would advertise in terms of their main qualifications. Gotcha.
0: Mm-hmm. So they are his friend, but he strategically places his friends. Very strategically. Everything is very intentional. Wow.
1: So he ends this letter, his last paragraphs, right? It says, in retrospect, I do not regret any of the decisions that the board or I made. I have held my head high through all the attacks and will continue to do so. I wish the Long Beach Union and its staff good luck and find it unfortunate that they wanted to end the semester negatively.
0: Wow! In retrospect, <laughs> I'm right, you're wrong.
2: <laughs> like, but then look at how he also he managed he managed a, a um, PR crisis, right? Yeah, there. yeah. Um, he you know uh, he used the in an open source he o- used the open source of, an o- of a letter to the editor in order to get his voice out, um, and while also manipulating the media in a way to be able to make sure that this kind of, of uh, Negative thing to his image would never happen again. Yeah. And this lesson would be later learned in terms of him founding the Long Beach Post, okay.
0: an entire newspaper yeah. that was uh, under yeah. his control. He is complete.
1: Like, I, I, like I love that you're here to point this out, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it's so like it is. It's you so, know what? It is a
0: lesson. Like That's this what
1: is, it is him just as a senator, right? Yeah. Like it's just this yeah. small
0: potatoes. Like yeah. honestly, you yeah, know, yeah. school stuff like that,
1: right? So. You know, speaking of of PR, you know, and, and kind of, like, going off of that. So, one of the things that Robert is known for at his time at Cal State Long Beach, prior after this, mm-hmm. he eventually decides to run for ASI president. So, mm-hmm. president of, like, the student government at Cal State Long Beach. Mm-hmm. He runs, uh, comes in second place. He doesn't win the first time that he runs. Mm-hmm. Decides to run again. Um, and this time he's unopposed. So, that's interesting. Well, there you go. And he... Wins
0: And the man's the body man? was never found. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but what I think is so interesting that his entire platform is that we need beach pride. Like there is just, we want people, like we're a commuter campus. We want people to be really proud yeah. that we go to Cal State Long Beach, that
0: we're here. Fundamentally, just to like set the scene a little bit. If you've been to Cal State Long Beach, like it is a commuter campus, which means, you yeah. know, I was in the dorms. It's a ghost town. Like, it's not, you know, I moved from San Diego to go to Cal State, Long Beach, and I had a hard time connecting with people fundamentally just because of everybody would go for class and then they live in the surrounding area. You know, it's different from even San Diego State or like UC Santa Barbara, like there are people that go to college and move to San Diego or move to Santa Barbara to like go to college. Right. And this is not that. So I understand. A little bit of what yeah. his like thinking is behind that. Well, he's know? also an
2: outsider too. Remember, he's coming in and finding a you know, in his eyes, I would imagine, an underdeveloped uh, city that has the potential for having a much larger culture, uh, especially contained within the university area. Mm-hmm. And is trying to rally people around it instead of you know functioning as a commuter thing that it had been for a very long time, mm-hmm. right? And
1: cool.
0: still is really.
1: So you know what that looks like in his platform and his vision for like when I'm elected, this is what Beach Pride is going to look like, right? It's it's you know revamped websites, it's new paint everywhere, it's new, it's the the Beach Patrol which like goes to um, sporting events and helps gives out prizes for people who have the most Beach Pride and spirit, right? Okay. Like coming to all the games and things like that. Sure. So, it's like discounts at like local restaurants, okay. right? To encourage students to go there, and all that. So, that's cute. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and it like people like really like dig it, right? Sure. And it also manifests in like, we just need to be like, we need to have cool stuff everywhere, right? So, like, <laughs> there's a lot of PR photos that are really funny of him opening up the El Pollo Loco on campus, Great. the student union. Love it. And he was the one behind taking the first order at the register. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it's like that kind of stuff that is like really big to him. Like, yeah. get the photo of me doing the thing, yes. right? Yes, 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 yes. So he also there's at the time because like uh, you know they're racking in student fees and things like that. Um, beach blast is a thing, so it's like the this vision is that, the new a douche big... that came
0: out. For it? Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's a huge <laughs> concert that's going to be like game changing. Like Robert literally calls it like it's going to be huge.
0: Changing a
1: p- concert at the pyramid. I don't know right? about you,
0: but when I was at Cal State Long Beach, they didn't really have nobody coming in to play music. <laughs> tell me about it. And the tell rumor was, as I was a student, was that somebody like burned a bridge with like the talent booking or something like that. I don't know. That's just a rumor.
1: Well, let me tell you about it. Oh, is that me, sh- me? Tell you about <laughs> it. But yeah, let's hear it. So Beach Blast happens in 1999 as Robert's involved in. In government, and they bring in. It's a concert at the pyramid. They sell tickets uh, for towards students. It's a real big fish, smash mouth, black eyed (laughs) peas.
2: Wait,
0: so our buddy Dan Regan plays <laughs> a part of this?
1: Oh, Dan Regan has a full photo of the Daily 49er. Real big playing. fish. Yeah. yeah Black yeah. eyed
0: peas. And whoa, and smash mouth. Smash Mouth? Yeah. The wow. worst <laughs> Can- <laughs> like county fair as like bad iPod Nano. Like <laughs> Look, look, Dan. This was 1999. That is as good as it gets in 99. Yes. You're telling me they couldn't get the Spice Girls? <laughs> We love you, Dan. Oh, man. Oh, so man.
1: I so, yeah, so this concert goes off. It performs extremely underwhelmingly.
0: Oh. so
1: they actually, their hope, yeah. Um, was to break even on the concert. They actually lose money on the concert. Uh-oh. Yeah, they lose money, and they were like, well, you know, they blamed bad promotion, da-da-da. They didn't sell out the pyramid, like oh, as they wow. kind of hoped they would. And so when Robert becomes ASI president, you know, they're like, we're going to go, we're going to do Beach Blast 2. It's going to be bigger and better than ever. Beach Pride, Who
0: all that, right? Oh, Wow. So, this like, this is his ice town. This is from, <laughs> from Parks and Rec. Straight up. Oh, oh my God. <laughs>
1: straight up. Straight up. And so, unfortunately, during his tenure as ASI president, he has to be the bearer of bad news Mm-mm. that Beach Blast 2 gets postponed by ASI Beach because they only had a $50,000 budget and. They could have, the the article in the Daily 49er talks about, you know, we could have had, you know, Mo's death or Big Bad Voodoo Daddy to campus. But um, they just weren't interested because of what happened. How bad
0: it went the first time. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, Robert, again, to his PR credit, right, he spins it saying like, look, the reason behind this is pretty simple. It's all about the money.
0: Yeah. When
1: you have, you know, only $50,000 with $20,000 in production costs, you just really can't get
0: anybody good. You but uh, <laughs> You sure it wasn't cuz you <laughs> fucked it the first time? <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't because the Black Eyed Peas and Smash Mouth and nobody was like, "Oh, I'm good." You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a really funny moment too, like Why not get I don't know. Listen, I one of the things I did at Cal State Long Beach, my legacy, quote unquote, was trying to get music on campus and not just, just to get local bands and stuff. And it was such an uphill battle with ASI. I feel like every week they made a new rule. Right. They you are know, like, you can have a band but only if they play at noon on a Wednesday. And I'm like, how the fuck am I going to book?
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's this really funny moment too. You know, the Daily 49er covers all of the ASI elections and everything as candidates are running, right? Mm-hmm. And so they do these um, every year they usually like find random students on campus, and they're like, hey, can we get your reaction about what's going on with the elections and whatnot? Mm. And so they have um, this young student um, named Kwana Oliver. She's a psychology major. They ask her, like, what do you think of the candidates? And so she hones in on Robert Garcia, and her quote is, Robert Garcia was saying we should have cheerleaders. That didn't have anything to do with his political stance. I don't really care about having cheerleaders. I just care about getting an education, or where my student's money <laughs> goes. My impression of Garcia was that he was trying to please everyone with the things that he knows can't happen. That's a real ass motherfucker. She <laughs> saw. She saw
0: the smoke. Where is she? Kauana Oliver. Kauana Oliver, legend, truly saw the fucking man for what Listed. he was yeah. before he was anything. Kauana,
1: if you're listening to this, come on the pod. God we damn. Thank
0: you. <laughs> He's like, I got shit to do. What the fuck is he doing opening up a Taco Bell or whatever the fuck? (laughs) But again, if you want to look, this
2: is another big lesson that he learns in terms of event control. Because while his legislative background is extremely thin in terms of what he was able to accomplish on the council and even as as mayor— what he has been spearheading instead are events, mm-hmm. and I can say directly from working with him is that event planning took was the number one priority. Oh Legisla- yeah, legislation was a far, far, far you know down concern compared to uh, public facing events that would be able to not just you know bring yeah. direct attention to him, but would actually function as a way of demonstrating power and demonstrating yeah. uh, pride as a as both his office and as a district or citywide.
0: Most recently, yeah. that
2: big ass penny. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it also, it makes me think, too, like how much he pushed, um, remember Beach Streets? Beach Streets was Street. like, yeah. like, we're going to have one in every council district. Like,
2: And it lasted about a year and a half, wow. you know. Yeah. And wow. then, you know, but he every single year, pride for his office is the biggest thing that he could possibly put on. Right. And right. his own inauguration. The inauguration for, for you know, for uh, citywide council seats and or citywide seats in general was uh not a particularly big deal. You yeah, know, something like the the state of the city. His, not a big deal. I was about to say his state yeah. of the city,
1: where he had musical musical acts, oh musical God.
2: theater acts, yeah. open every
0: single one. Just
2: yeah. saying, bottom 500, energy. Five
0: hundred, twenty-five, one hundred, six hundred minutes. <laughs>
2: Well, he had something. He had something about a rainbow playing when he when he accepted his mayoral inauguration in a, a, a ceremony that the city had previously never had. Right. This was been twenty
1: fourteen.
0: Yeah. We love an event.
1: So <laughs> let's actually get us there because you okay. know, that was some wild times at Kelsey yeah, Long beach. You know, that's... Robert Garcia eventually graduates with an undergraduate degree in communication
0: studies. Okay. So, um, hey, same here. <laughs> Same, same.
1: So he, you know, he stays kind of like low in terms of like the politics at Cal State Long Beach. So after graduating, Robert Garcia, and actually, well, in his like final year, he actually ends up becoming the the chair, like the California chair for the 2000 campaign for students for Bush and Cheney. Oh, so gross, it's kind of his foray getting into more Republican politics. Yeah. After uh, Cal- he graduates from Cal State Long Beach, he ends up becoming the PR director for the Nixon Library who um, does that job for a minute
2: I'll quickly interject there's a rumored picture of him and, Bo- and W that I would pay a lot of I've money for I've heard of oh my this my photo god. before he's i had it, it scrubbed I, from I, all <laughs> surfaces of the internet I've never seen it
0: personally but oh I've had god. it to,
2: have had its existence confirmed by somebody close to him who, had, who is
0: still a fan of his oh so. my god we gotta what? find it we yeah. gotta, it's probably he's. I'm imagining in his home he's got like curtains and like there's a safe and stuff like that all of you left <laughs> like us I'm, listening to
1: this who spend way too much time on Twitter go do your Go do your thing. <laughs>
0: Get on it. K pop stands. We need the K pop stands. We need to the dig K-pop. This one up. Oh my yeah. God. I, that's Honestly? Great, we need
1: to talk about that story in the pod in the what? future. K pop stands? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When they helped
0: that one thing. Yeah. yeah
1: when they helped flood the OBPD.
0: <laughs> Love it. Anyway. Um,
1: so he's working as a as the PR director at the Nixon Library. Mm-hmm. Eventually, like this is such big news that it makes the Daily 49er again. In February 2005, mm-hmm. he gets hired as a legislative aide for then Long Beach City Council member in the 3rd District, Frank Colon. Okay, and this is now he's like you know coming into the his role and like actually working in the in city the of politics. Long Beach, yeah. right. Is Frank Colona? Is he a
0: Democrat, Republican? What's his deal?
2: He Republican. Uh, he Republican. Business Republican. Who then later on kind of works more in the nonprofit sector. I think he had some anti-homeless stuff. Or mean, not anti-homeless. Stuff,
0: Anti- like, <laughs> no, no, they don't say <laughs> that part. It's actually. not yeah <laughs> I've met Housing him. for Justice. You I, know. <laughs> I
2: met him once. He's not. Yeah, I wouldn't call him like a fire breathing Republican by any means. Kind of yeah. a you know communitarian type of thing. But okay. the thing to understand too is that this was the old City Hall. This would have been 14th floor, and the 14th mm. floor was never a place for legislation. Ooh. It is a a, a a Republican friend of mine who's a, a lobbyist for a long time there once explained it as a social club. Oh,
1: and yeah. The oh.
2: he's a. The office, the office holders are all part-time, and so as a result, the staff members are the only permanent people working there in the city hall. Oh, my God. And you maybe have two to three, maybe at some offices, three to five people there at any particular moment huh. working there full-time with huh. very little responsibility, very little in terms of expectation of doing uh, I need constituent a, services.
0: I need a but gig.
2: All the city. <laughs> you do. It's a sweet gig. And it's all the time schmooze. The problem is is that you're at will for the elected, so you have to be able to make sure you're in their good graces almost Just,
0: uniformly. Oh, we definitely talked about that in some degree in the City Structure episode, which you can listen on our podcast in the stream. Ooh, just scroll down. Point. If you're on your phone, you're looking at it. You just, it's you know, right there. It's right there. Yeah. yeah. The fact that you described Floor 14 as mostly a social club is so gross, right? Like, just the idea of it. I think we need to step back and look at it and be like, I understand that's the reality of politics in a lot of cities probably, but that's also like, ew. I mean, fuck, man. It, it's
2: very demonstrative <laughs> of the city that they're in charge of. Oh. I mean, and at the same time, I'll also just add, and I've talked with, you know, at this point, it's not like his, he's realizing a vision. He has a for, fully for. He has a fully realized idea of what his goal is in mm. terms of these, uh, taking these positions. Mm. He's mm. Pu- he's put on the Darth Vader helmet. He's I've, like coming out. <laughs> I talked to a older gay gentleman. Um, yeah, and uh, he went. James on, is only thirty two. <laughs>
1: will be thirty. Not yet.
2: James. James, James knows he, these are the older gentlemen who are, uh, who uh, run. And, uh, oh, yeah. oh
1: God! The yeah. the whole pot. It's that, I mean, ooh. in Long Beach, right? Like, clicks. there's just there's too many gay clags. I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> <These are> the, <laughs> we're gonna stop there. All right, okay. So
2: one of them actually them went on a date with, like, I believe, 19 or 20 year old uh, Robert Garcia. Um, and
0: <laughs> of course, gay men, gay do
2: be doing that. Of course he did. <laughs> and uh, he re- remembered years later that the one thing that he said at the time was, "I'm going to be mayor of Long Beach." So this is a young man who already realized that... he has certain steps that are necessary to take towards getting to this goal. This is the kind He's calculated. We, he's he's very,
1: calculated and he knows like what it's going to take to get there and like, I'm going to meet the people. This
0: is truly unverifiable chisme which is what <laughs> we're about. <laughs> I heard from a gay you man on the street running well, you know what's that, really he funny about that he said when he fucked too? Robert Garcia and he was 20, I'm going to be mayor one
1: day. I, let me tell you though, that's really funny about that though is that there's so many people that like, especially in my, like, like, like straight people that I meet are they're like, oh, how do you know this person? I'm like, <laughs> We either hooked up or like yeah. they like they hooked up with my friend and I heard about the horrible one night stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> they were within twelve feet of me on Grindr, and it happens. Okay, well, let me tell you. But, <laughs> but I think it's
2: also under, it's important to understand the gay culture that he's coming from yeah. at this particular moment because he's coming from a hyper masculine area of the fraternities which he's going to stay loyal to through his entire life. Mm. He's never a part of the gay activist crew. No, right, Ever. right. he never—even ne- when he is open, he's open to other well-established rich gay, gay men yeah. who are in the Long Beach community. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. He
2: needs yeah. going to clubs. And if he, i talked with him later on. The big thing— it, one of the very sincere things he did was after the Pulse shooting, he talked about how important it was to be able for a young gay man in terms of his opinion coming out of the closet. If you talk to other people, he already was out of the closet. He was just having a good time mm. in terms of how important it was going to gay clubs as an institutional thing. So this is somebody who comes into the gay, col- to gay culture not as a act of political defiance, not as mm. a— uh, soul-affirming, you know, uh, part of his identity. But it's, again, tied into having a good time in a city that he's finally able to party in as a young man. mm and so that's his concept of the thing. And not report.
0: that, like, club culture can't be liberating and beautiful in its own thing right. and whatever, you know. But it does, like, there's a very specific angle of gay. We call it pleated khaki gay, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. upper class gay, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the vibe that he gives.
2: And, and when he, he's later on going on and running for office, he's going to be going down to those same exact people for don- uh, for yeah. uh, donations. He's going to be going down to Orange County. He's going to be going into San
0: Diego. Uh, specifically for wealthy gay money. Yeah. yeah. And I think the specific, I think why our podcast works is because we're two queer people who are leftists. One of us is brown. And we <laughs> can fucking, f- we can call a spade a spade. And the other one is bald, which is <laughs> important for some reason. <laughs> and we can call a spade a spade and we can look at him and be like, look, this is, this is, wh- I know the kind of it's gay you are. Pr- it's Pride Month. It's Pride, Pride representation month. matters. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. We need the pleated cat <laughs> I mean the hungry, hungry bottoms on Recon, one of the things to understand about
1: Robert and like where he's at now is also just how politically networked he is too, right? And all these yeah. different connections. Sorry. so and so he gets hired and starts working for Frank Colonna in February two thousand and five. By September two thousand five, he now the infamous thing that everyone's been talking about lately in this congressional race yeah. is that Robert starts along with a couple other folks in Long Beach, the Long Beach Young Republicans. Mm. You know, he, he he goes on record and and does a whole you know media blitz talking about this is going to be huge. It's going to be the biggest Republican club in Long Beach, and so the uh, six founding members, including Robert Garcia, you know, kind of various folks who have been around Long Beach for a while. One of them, as I was. Putting this together, I was like, and um, one of the people includes um, Noel Hasagaba, and I was like, why is that name so familiar to me? And just like the universe, the Greater Long Beach area heard me and reminded me when I got the email directly in my inbox that Noel Hasagaba is now a doctor and he's the deputy director of the Port of Long Beach. Oh, right. Sh- just to illustrate it. the point that like these are people who are connected, right? Have, oh, yeah, that's
0: hello connections. <laughs> yeah, the this, Port of Long Beach, that port that brings in the what. <laughs> I'm not gonna say any numbers because I'll have to look it up later. But like half the shit that comes into the West Coast or whatever, like money, money, half a city's revenue. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. So you know this point right about being connected, knowing you know all this he needs to take. Right. One of the things that as I was actually like getting ready for this podcast and looking at the article that talked about announcing the launch of the Long Beach Young Republicans, Robert Mm -hmm. is quoted saying like it's gonna be big. Like it's you know we're gonna be the biggest Republican club in Long. What is a Republican thing
0: to (laughs) do? Just just an M sixteen and a
2: flag, like just so Remember, this is post uh, Prop one eighty seven California, but the Republican Party still hasn't hasn't totally shot itself in the foot yet. What's Prop one eighty seven? Prop one eighty seven was a ballot initiative championed by the likes of uh, Republican Governor Pete Wilson um, to deprive. undocumented people with basically any access to social uh, welfare programs, oh, public benefits. It was the start of what we now know nationally as kind of the self-deportation strategy of anti, anti-immigration. Mm.
1: anti uh, And it passed in California. Yep. It just was never implemented because it got oh, caught in the courts. And gotcha.
2: it caused such a backlash that over the course of from the 90s when it first started, up until basically right now when Garcia is starting to become powerful mm-hmm. or starting to his pathway to becoming powerful mm-hmm. you started seeing the fleeing of latino votes who had been consistently voting for republicans up until that point switching sides wow. and the slow slow but very um consistent uh evaporation of the republican party within the state of california yeah uh. so at the time he's well, making a good bet he's making a very good bet especially coming sure. from the classes of people that he's atta- that he's going towards in terms of I'm gonna ride the. I'm gonna be the Latino face of the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. The party changes.
0: It's 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 a fundamental. I mean, listen, Mexicans are conservative as hell. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I talk to my Catholic mother, my mom, my parents are both Democrats, but the church we grew up in, you know, mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. very much uh, like the Latino families we talk to. They're conservatives across the board. Right. Like, well, right. And he's
2: coming. That's where he's also coming from. I mean, his. I think he was an altar boy at St.
0: Anthony's. Oh, me too. No. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but he was raised in that church. Yeah. His mom is a single mom. Raised yeah. a, the the consistent the consistent thing growing up was mm-hmm. the church mm. for him as a social yeah. structure. Yeah. Now he never was part. He he never also was accepted as part of like La Raza or anything like that because mm. he, as a Peruvian he stood out within the Latino community here,
0: and you he never really integrated with within them. Yeah. So. You know, there's a lot of problems. This is a whole other subject, but just Latinos and, like, Mexicans in particular being, like, discrimination against, like, Central Americans or other Latinos and stuff like that. And that's real. And I lived through my own experience as a church-going Catholic who was in the Spanish mass and spoke Spanish primarily through that. Like, I lived through that change, the tide, like, the shift in tone once Bush became in power of, like— like get these Mexicans out of here, you know. Right. And that really like. Well,
2: Bush's first campaign was at, was at more encompassing than than the second campaign. Hmm. Um. By the second campaign, and again, if you look at Robert's words, this is where he says, "Oh, this is where I left the boat," and mm-hmm. it was the um, decision by George Bush to try to push for a constitutional amendment banning gay marriage. Yeah. So that plus demographically in California, I think. I mean, this is my own personal opinion. That's what drove him to realizing. Um, I can't be in this I can't be in the Republicans anymore. However, and I'm sure James can back me up here, there's about like a half a dozen people who individually will claim that they converted Robert to the Democratic Party.
0: <laughs> Everybody wants that credit.
2: Everybody wants that cre- they, credit.
0: I had to come to Jesus talk with him. And- <laughs> exactly. And no, I'm not even
2: kidding. They, that's the conversation that they say. And they, you know, every single person claims to have that, which I think in the truth, probably he was focus grouping his friends, especially the people
1: <laughs> in <within laughs> power to see how is this something? <laughs> everything, that's worth everything is a focus group. <laughs> Nobody's real to him. <laughs> so, so you mentioned this, you mentioned this briefly earlier too. Uh, before he gets onto city council, Robert Garcia founds the Long Beach Post.
2: Yeah. With uh, Sean and I'm forgetting his last Manchi, name,
1: Lumanche, right? Lumanche,
2: who died in a tragically in a car accident. Mm. And what that I think was really was Robert realizing the uh, and kind of in, in the in terms of how he managed not just manages his own personal communications, because mm-hmm. he's always been very good at that, mm. but how you're going to permanently shape the narrative. Mm. Because the Press-Telegram genuinely is a crappy newspaper in terms of being able to dictate <laughs> yeah. a, a fair amount of what was happening politically going on there. They just right. they had taken away most of their reporters.
1: Right. So the Post— was Such a sinking ship.
2: It, it was a sinking ship. And to its credit, the Post, frankly, had a lot of young reporters out there that were doing—that uh, were covering events— uh, it, where the press telegram wasn't. Mm-hmm. And as a result of it, the press, the, the Long Beach Post has an archive that is very malleable, unfortunately. And there's been articles that I used to reference to that have since disappeared. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, chief bats being among the, being uh, chief among them and the various exploits of that guy. Um,
0: you can't even go in the Wayback Machine. <laughs> you can. <but. laughs> What's Chief Bats? Oh man.
2: Chief Bats is very, very substantively like not even you, you're not risking any defamation by saying that he was accused of domestic violence against his city council person. Oh
0: God. Wife. Oh
2: God. And that was reported on in the Long Beach Post. Long Beach Post, I think, also was the only place that reported on an altercation between uh Suja Lowenthal and her then-husband that happened on the 14th floor. Oh, my God. So, not to say that he did this intentionally, be able to create a database of political information that could be used later on, but yeah. he literally was the only one who has a lot of this. I feel
0: like we're recording this episode, and then we're going to be like, all right, bye, stuff, And then, like, a dart is going to hit us in the neck, and we're going to be, like, tagged and bagged, dude. Everybody like, walk
1: in Paris when you leave this building.
2: <laughs> For real, dude. But he's the only one who has that information now, because a lot of this has been just lost to, me- lost to memory, lost to history. Oh, my
1: there's a really funny video on YouTube from like the old Long Beach Post archives. It's at the like the uh, Democratic Party mm. convention where mm. they were and making the endorsements for the open assembly seat, and it True. was Bonnie Lowenthal versus Tonya Reyes Uranga. And Roberts, like the reporter, is like, "This is Robert Garcia with the Long Beach Post going up." And he's like, after their speeches, like, "Bonnie, Bonnie, how do you feel?" And she's just like, ah, "I got the endorsement." You know, it's just like That's such fluffed. a weird yeah. like. Oh my god! Like,
0: oh my god!
1: Just know where all these people are now. You know, yeah, yeah.
0: The, the movies in, in the show notes you can watch. It's cute.
2: Very <laughs> incestuous, you know, political community here. <laughs> yeah,
0: <on this laughs> I mean, I feel like that's true across the uh, board in this country. Like, yeah. it always works out that somebody's somebody's friend. You know, right. right.
1: So now we got to talk about this opportunity that Robert gets to eventually get into city council, right?
2: Well, I mean, this is if, if I get the chronology right at this point, um, Bonnie Lowenthal is out, and her.
1: Who's the former city council member in C- the 1st District. Mm-hmm.
2: And instead, her, um, you have a race between her uh, her new uh, partner, uh, Evan Brawley, is that his mm-hmm. name? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Dr., uh, Eduardo Lara, who is a local professor, um, mm-hmm. and uh, Robert Garcia, all going at the same time. then Eduardo, Eduardo Lara bows out, so it's just a race between the two of them. And Garcia wins.
1: And pre, prior to him even running and announcing, he becomes a Democrat, right?
2: Exactly. Going forward into what we're looking at right now, one of the pe- big endorsements that Robert got at the time was from Josh Lowenthal, uh, Bonnie Lowenthal's son. Huh. Yeah, oh. and one of the people who, if you talk to him, claims ownership over the, the Great Conversion of Robert <laughs> to the Democratic Party. Great the Great
0: Conversion. Listen, gays and conversion, not that a fan. Needs be- I don't, I'm not, don't give, give me, miss me with that Can shit. Can you man.
1: imagine clicking that in the Long Beach Wiki, the Great Conversion? The Great Conversion? Yeah.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> People have this come to Jesus. To yeah. I'm picturing like a Shonda Rhimes directed, like really dramatic scene oh where they're just gosh. like, come, you have to, but you can't. Shonda, look at him.
1: <laughs> if you're listening to this, you need to make this. Yeah. This needs to be Yeah, yeah.
0: the Great conversation is all dramatic. And
2: one <laughs> of the, but it comes with practical reasons too, not just demographically for what's happening with the city and the state at large, but also specifically within District 1 of the city of Long Beach. District 1 of the city of Long Beach is um, one of the poorest districts in the entire city. Include at the time, especially included a large section of the west side, very, very ethnically diverse, um, with, uh, a large percentage of people who are not native English speakers. Um, and when talking with people who are like, why are you running for this particular position, Robert? especially as somebody who's coming from the Republican side, you would have a much easier time doing this as a Democrat. Yeah. Now, the other reason that he picked the first district instead of running in the third, I don't know if there was an opening for it, that position was beginning to be known as the place where if you had a decent amount of money you could blanket it in um, mailers and probably get yourself going forward. And this is a strategy in the first district, in the first district specifically, because it was known as a basically I mean, he, lack of a better word, he's a carpetbagger. He never lived there before. He had to mm-hmm. actually run for a position, right? Mm. So it was very, again, very intentional in terms of this is going to be your first job. You can't make it in the third district because it's too racist.
1: So who is Bob Foster and where does he come into this story? <laughs>
2: Bob Foster at this point he was elected in 2006, which means he would have been re-elected in 2010. Oh, okay. And is very classic business Democrat, and was mm. one of the first mm. people to really figure out that you could have a Long Beach political machine if you were running this well enough. <laughs> he was the first person to realize oh, that, that the, for us. the city was had an underdeveloped political system, and that if somebody was organized oh, and well financed enough, you can actually more or less control it, along with buy-in from certain trades from the from labor. Business and the, the police, kind of that three headed co- you know Hydra oh, right there. Gosh. And
1: what better person to do that than a former Southern California Edison executive? Exactly. Yeah.
2: By the time that he's entering there, he did his health. His health is not doing super great. He yeah, really rumor there. Yeah. Okay. And he also, if you want to talk about demor- uh, demographics, he doesn't have much of a charisma or a public persona. He's, yeah. He's very good at glad handing behind the scenes, getting sure. the money that's needed for certain projects. You know. Uh, threatening people in order to be able to make sure that big construction projects happen, but Ooh. yeah, Ooh. He had very. Un- uh, you did not want to cross Bob Foster's staff.
0: I've heard, yeah. even I, even I, the guy who plays the dumb guy on the podcast, um, <laughs> I've heard rumblings of that sort of stuff from Bob Foster.
2: He had a very fearsome chief of staff, I mean, Becky Ames, who oh, still, shit. whose name still reigns terror. Yeah. I got little like little yeah. chicken skin. Yeah. Somebody here. just stood up. Like, <laughs> She's still <laughs> around. Whatever happened to her. But he kind of he was the first person to really kind of establish the modern mayoral position the way that we see it now. Okay. And mm. he, but at the same time, he knew that his future in politics is extremely limited. He was going to probably he was he, he yeah. had the option of going for a, an additional term in twenty fourteen, but he had expended most of his political capital. So,
0: so he's like a shriveled up Emperor Palpatine, and he's looking for his Darth Vader. Exactly, he's trying to find it.
1: Whoa, that's such a good metaphor. Yeah, uh,
0: that's why. Yeah, that's why I'm here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you bring it high, I bring it
1: low, okay?
2: <laughs> and He was one of Robert's early backers. He really saw that Robert had a lot of potential politically mm. and could be a very good yeah. face going forward for a lot of the particular movements that, yeah. he, that he was supporting. It was her. like,
0: I need somebody shiny and empty. <gasps> Ooh! <laughs> <laughs>
2: and he was instrumental in hooking him up with um, the all-important LBPOA uh,
0: endorsements. The police. The, the Police Officers Association. Bob Foster advocated for... A Hundo? A Honda? A hundred police right. officers? But, and and improving traffic? So don't they own need cars? So
1: <laughs> So Bob Foster takes Robert Garcia like under his wing, mm-hmm. right? This is the opportunity to get him elected and in into the, dark the Long Beach City Council. Mm-hmm. Robert runs in this election as a Democrat, mm-hmm. actually wins. And gets elected to the Long Beach City Council, mm. and like now, like it's a, it's a wild to think about, like you know, all this stuff we talked about his time even at Cal State Long Beach, yeah. And Like these, le- you know, like I, the the lessons you learn from yeah. all of these different things, like small right? Potatoes. And this is got... this is it, right? Yeah. Like, So he's, he's all he's all
0: burned up, and they're putting the Darth Vader helmet on. <laughs> and it's like, dah,
1: dah. right? And I think like when you like when I think about his time at, on the Long Beach City Council, like there's there's a lot. If
2: you look at the you know, the typography. He was one of the first people on the council to actually spend a decent amount of money on graphics. And, mm. um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah,
2: look at, you know, the the early Robert Garcia typeface. That was an original from 2008 and 9 or 10 or when he first was on the council, and it followed him all the way throughout his mayoral campaigns. And that sort of... Conscious image image crafting is is very intentional, and I would I would not be surprised if it's focus grouped. <laughs> wow,
1: mm, yeah, you see more of this like intense focus on his image and PR. He talked about like his 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 use of like graphics and things like that, mm-hmm. and especially like on, on entertainment districts and businesses too.
2: Yeah, this is coming after too. It's an important thing to realize. The year that he was coming in, this is the first term. Of, this is just after halfway through the first term of uh, of Obama. And okay. um, Robert had worked on locally by that time. He was working for uh, trying to get Hillary elected. Okay. Interestingly enough, Rex Rex, who uh, just, you know is trying to replace him right now, Rex Richardson, yeah. worked on the Obama campaign. That's how they. That's how Robert first got known within the Democratic oh. Party.
0: Oh, interesting. Wow.
2: So after he gets in, Obama kind of, Nationally, was defining a lot of the way that you know uh, politicians were going to be abric- advertising themselves now. You know, kind of as uh, neoliberal technocratics make you know legislative fixes as a way of changing uh, changing the uh,
0: the political landscape. Can you break that down? Because that was a lot of words. <laughs> lot of words. <laughs> 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 like what? It, just, just some like what is the vibe of Obama? Like what do you mean? Well,
2: Obama t- Obama and Robert share a lot of characteristics in terms of they were both avatars created by the capitalist class as a means for um, pushing through uh, neoliberal change. So the okay. financialization of a lot See, of I so asked
0: you to break it down into even more big words. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm sorry. You, you I understand. understand no, no, I'm I'll, I'll, like, I'll making it yeah. even I'll make, I'll make gotcha. it I gotcha. You can't come out Bob Foster would come out and say for example, we are in a recession. Sure. We need to privatize social we need to privatize uh, social services, privatize trash collection for mm. example. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> We need to uh, invest more heavily. We need to change the pension systems for, for the entire uh, pu- mm. public workers into something that's going to be marketed as a way of being able to reduce our overhead as a city mm. so that we can sell bonds at a much better, more competitive rate. Because that's how we generate revenue as a city.
0: Who, who, who do they sell bonds to? How does that work? When Open markets. Okay. So,
2: so just- uh, banks take a big cut of it, but um, you, the municipal bond market uh, is a very... Good investment, because cities almost always pay their obligations. Mm. What you want is, and I think at one point he even bragged about this, Mm. is you want a certain rating from uh, one of the rating agencies. AAA is the number one you might have heard. So you want to be able to say that you are and that rating is based off of what's seen as your ability to pay it
0: off. Gotcha. I'm like truly I'm going into my brain and my brain's like, okay, I saw big short. I remember this kind of like, yeah. Exactly. So it's essentially it's you're selling your city, you're selling your city to uh,
2: people across the world saying, Oh yeah, no, I'm investing in Long Beach because you know, that's a city with a port. So they were always going to be able to pay off their, their debts.
0: Oh man. Now a city can always just tell,
2: and a city's yeah. have, and I think Detroit famously was like, yeah, we can't pay this anymore. Oh no, fuck. But in, what are you going to do? I mean, yeah. you, you, you can't, you, you can't can collect the
0: city. Yeah. You come you, in there, <laughs>
2: and
1: evict the city. You, you can't
2: start <laughs> wow. taking I mean, the private, private sector can't put liens on effectively on a city to be yeah. able to take things back. I mean, They'll try. <laughs> yeah,
1: sure. I feel so financially empowered now. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god.
2: <laughs> we're not just as a city becoming. We're running. When you say that we're running city as a business, and this is somebody who Bob Foster really sees himself as, he's a CEO of a city. Your idea is reducing overhead, increasing mm-hmm. revenue, mm-hmm. and a, and under the state in in California, cities have very limited ability to unilaterally raise. Um, Taxes. So instead, what they Mm. do is they raise fees and they sell bonds. And the way Mm. you sell bonds is by making yourself a very lean, economically, uh, economic city, which means you don't have a lot of outstanding. uh obligation debt obligations to your employees for example now police are set, are a little bit different because they also protect capital so yeah. you want to you want to buy them in they're part of the group yes. that you need to be able to buy in and That's this why is the
0: budget of, breakdowns are always exactly.
2: Like crazy so
1: huh? where does Robert stand in contrast to that yeah
2: Robert is gonna sell that exact same message but he's gonna do so in a in a liberal identitarian way of saying uh, You know, not to be crude about it, but he's going to be the brown gay voice saying exactly what Rob Foster did, but in a way that's palatable for Mm. for white liberals to be able to vote for him. Yeah. And that's the type of political sphere that they're walking into, especially in the post-2008 Long Beach, which suddenly is finding itself uh, without the fiscal help that it needs from the federal government, Mm -hmm. with defense industry money leaving the city at the exact same time, Mm. and with— an unstable global economy that's making it so that imports from the port are going to be potentially limited.
0: Yeah. That is, like, terrifying. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, tipping points in that year. And
1: it it also reminds me so much of, like, how much... Like Robert, especially like you know, and so much, but especially in his time in City Council, where he, he championed these like socially good like things that sounded great, but like mm. inside they were just so empty, right? Yeah.
2: They're empty because I mean, and part of that is the structure of the city government. You don't really have a lot of ability to be unlike a state legislature, you know, the state legislature or a co- county person, or even somebody in the city of uh, Los Angeles that has a much bigger bu- budget than us. Sure. You're not playing with a lot. Of you're not playing with a lot of money to be able to do discretionary spending in a way mm. that can be able to benefit people, even your own constituents. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, they have that office holder account, which is basically as a means to be able to throw a couple parties here and there. Yeah, but right. beyond that, <laughs> if he wanted to say create, you know, expand social services, even if that was something that he wanted to do, you don't yeah. have really have a lot of ability to do that without um, going to the ballot box or without being able to um, reduce spending in. Uh, other avenues. Other avenues that have been specifically allocated with specific revenue streams. So it's very it's very complicated, and as a result of it, they don't do much.
1: Right. Jeez. They
2: just default to, you know, constituent services. And like you said, these fun, you know, unfunded right. uh, public PR campaigns, I would say something like, we're going to do, oh, you know, I don't know. Bike week or something to that effect. Right,
1: yeah. So when it comes to like these actual, like, and, and you know, all that to say, like, there's legitimate social issues, like economic issues happening in the city, right? Like, we talked extensively in the other episodes about (laughs) marijuana and his time on city council, but Robert also had a horrible record on housing.
2: Hmm. Housing was one of the things that was one of his early lessons in how not to trust the left. (laughs) <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, I, please, please, talk about please it. expand on that point. There's a nascent. I can't
1: help it that we're cute.
2: Well, <laughs> there's the nascent left in the city, which again, you know, yeah. uh, mainly came out of Lane uh, and other organizations.
1: That's uh, Lane is the Los Angeles Alliance for a New Economy.
2: They were very successful in the city of L.A. in terms of activating um, uh, communities for wage increases and things like that. And because they have an office down in Long Beach. They were very instrumental in activating, pre, you know, underdeveloped political communities within the poor areas of Long Beach, specifically around housing, because we've had no housing protections mm-hmm. for forever. Mm, right. Unlike the city of L.A., we've had we've never been very until very recently had anything in the form around rent control. A huge portion of our housing stock has always been owned by people outside of the city. Yeah. And as a result, it's been continually exploitative. Even to his credit, Robert, when I worked in his office, and specifically Lena Gonzalez, who was his field deputy at the time. Sure. They would know who lords were. Mm-hmm. They would say, oh, that guy, you know, yeah. who owns like six or seven of our units. Because what ends up happening is, is they call, you know— a single mom who's living in one of these units that has rats all over it is calling yeah. into the city council and being like can you do something about it. Yeah. So they were very well aware of what was going on, but the fix to that is politically untenable uh, not just for the fact that you're the people who put him in office are right. from you know the the landlord class.
0: Yeah. So how are you going <laughs> to are you going to do anything well, about
2: that if they're literally? And at the same time, you had a very unique element as to that. This would have been two thousand, you know, the post two thousand eight economic reality. Um, specifically, when Robert was coming in, uh, redevelopment as a concept was ending. So you, mm-hmm. the city was had a bunch of had a bunch of properties in its own possession uh, that they could ha- they were deciding what to do with. And you had focus it back to how he doesn't trust the left. At the time, people from Legal Aid. People from Lane, people from Housing Long Beach were mm-hmm. all screaming at them at the same time. You have the legislative power to directly give people housing in the form of giving people these redevelopment projects. Yeah. So, yeah. Th- they're already buildings in existence most of the time. Yeah. You have the power to create zoning that would be able to use zoning law as a means to be able to be able to, uh uh get around the lack of federal assistance housing to be able to create create places that were specifically for working-class people to be able to stay in the city. And you have the power to create, if you wanted to go there, you have the power to use local legislation to be able to go after landlords. And all this was presented to them in a very legalistic fashion by people with very researched, you know, uh, uh, policy briefs on it. Mm-hmm. And instead Robert defaulted to the city attorney at the time whose name I'm forgetting it was Sherman. Bob Shannon. Bob Shannon. The legalistic argument to that was well, you know, we can't do any of that because we could because of the potential of us being sued.
1: Mm-hmm. So it gave a very which is like a favorite line of the city attorney. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah in yeah. order in, don't order, don't want to do in so. order
2: to avoid liability when much, we must do nothing and essentially let the market take, uh, do do whatever it's going to do. Oh god. So but they go but that's not only is that a specious argument in terms of, you know, obviously the the law is flexible, you know. you
0: Yeah. You, you and also
2: that's kind of a boogeyman you can just throw out there if you don't want to do something, right? And, but Rob- it, and it ignores the fact that they had properties in their possession, which then, by the time that Robert is mayor, are getting sold off for pennies of the dollar to developers oh. to be able to specifically attract in
1: rich people. Okay. And Robert, both in media and at council meetings, has beca- gone on record so many times as a huge proponent of, of filtering this idea, this myth idea, right, that like oh, we just build more housing right, yeah. regardless of, you know, like luxury housing, market rate housing, it'll free up these affordable units for people to go to right, uh, and study after study shows like it takes years for that to ever even happen, if at all
2: He also, I remember once in, I don't know if it was a state of the city or a fundraiser among, you know, uh, people within the building trades said that you can measure the health of a city by how many cranes are in the sky
0: Whoa <sighs> so, Oof th- Woof. He, that, that is dark. So he, <laughs> That's I mean, like what you put on before the movie starts and then it's about to be like a political drama piece yeah. or whatever and it's all fucked up. Yeah. So the people who think of him as just some sort of empty
2: suit, you know, and I, I even said it myself, avatar for political interest.
0: Yeah. It's, it's an incomplete
2: view of him because mm. he does actually have a an idea of what he wants the city to look like, and
0: he's been largely successful in accomplishing it. Oh God! Mm. It's but, like no, 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 no. He's not incompetent. He's evil. But he's not. Dri- <laughs> but the thing is to understand <laughs> about not, him is he's not driving the he's
2: not driving the, the 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 policies on this. He's not sitting there. He's not having you know his his staff members up late at night writing the specific policies. Instead, what he's doing is working as the He's the one who whose allegiance to this particular thing is having it happen. If mm. that makes any sense, his vision of the city, and this is not to sound too dark here, but you know, the <laughs> listen,
0: <laughs> we're already there.
2: It's night when you know reactionaries talk about the great replacement theory, uh, which is this racist idea of you know more minorities are coming in and replacing the the. Um, White power structure that they have, you know, grown to love.
1: Mm, in yeah.
2: reality, in cities across the United States, and specifically within Long Beach, the exact opposite is happening. What's hap- What, what they want, and they he he, you know, if you ask somebody like him, he's never going to deny. He's never going to say that it's ex- explicitly to be able to create more white people. What they want are high income earners. Mm. Right now, that's on. Now we know because of structural racism, that's automatically going to kind of that's going to be white people. That's going to be white people. Yeah. But what they want are ur- young urban professionals who. Uh, have a large amount of money who are going to be able to buy property at a speculative rate, which Mm -hmm. is going to be more money to the city through tax money. Mm -hmm. And they're going to continue to be able to live in the city no matter how much they raise fees. Because remember, city government has very limited ability to be able to raise taxes, but fees, on the other hand, can be jacked up.
1: Well, you sit back and you think about, like, at the time when, like, this was really starting to fuel more gentrification, more displacement happening in the city, right? We're starting to see all of these things, these huge social inequities continue and just grow to be exacerbated, exacerbated. yeah. Right? It's like... This is what happens, of course, when we put free market economics and public relations, prioritize all of that over actual people.
0: It's so dark. It's it's like, I mean, fundamentally, we've talked about all this, and we've painted all this picture, and we've gotten this, like, we're trying to get this 3D image of who Robert Garcia is and what what, you know, his rise to power was like. And at the end of the day, it's just simple, like, yeah, get the poor people out of there, put the rich people there, like. God. So, I mean,
1: you know, you you touched on like his horrible record on housing. And I think part of that is a huge part of that is the downtown plan, right? Mm -hmm. Well,
2: the downtown plan, especially because it's the brainchild of the people of Amy Bodek and um, who. Was she was the, the director
0: of development services. Development services. Super, at time. super briefly, what is the downtown plan? We keep saying it, but downtown plan was a
2: series of legislation uh, of um, including the housing element and a couple of other people pieces of legislation that were used in conjunction together to be able to to attract private capital as a means of uh, developing underdeveloped quote-unquote, areas of the downtown that were no longer uh, generating revenue for the city.
1: And so yes. it took the entire downtown Long Beach area, like, mm-hmm. very specific boundaries, and just got rid of, like, all of the height requirements, all of the parking yeah. requirements, and would just created a free-for-all yeah. for developers to come in and build whatever the hell they wanted.
2: Yes. And then the, the, the benefit to the city is they would have all new construction, which means money for, for the building trades, as mm-hmm. well as developer fees, which means the city is just taking... The City signs an agreement with the developer, it basically is just straight cash coming to them.
1: Goddamn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something that, the, you know, people like Stefan mentioned earlier, like the LA Lines for New Economy, Housing Long Beach, people had organized on to push for affordable housing requirements in the downtown plan. And
2: it just didn't happen because gotcha. Bob Foster specifically. And then, you know, I don't think we you can go any conversation with this without saying the power of Pat West, the city manager at the time. Um, all working in conjunction to be able to make sure that capital was going to come to the city of Long Beach. Because remember, this is a time when they're afraid of it fleeing. Because mm. of the lack of dispense spending and everything else, so
1: so for some context of the downtown plan, right? Yeah. So we talked about like Robert's connection with Bob Foster and the like. Oh my God, like this is my boy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So Bob Foster appoints Robert Garcia to this downtown visioning like study committee, yeah. right? Because Robert is part; he's moved into downtown, right? He's planning for his run for city council. Yeah. He takes the leadership position in the North Pine Neighborhood Association. So this is his like kind of like his opportunity to really like showcase. Here's the vision that we want to build. Visioning. I'm not gonna get on this city council and make this shit happen, right? Oh my gosh!
2: And remember too, this is when the city is not just star for funds, but you know, uh, restaurants are not as prolific as they are in the downtown area. They are trying to attract a certain vibe to the downtown. Right. It doesn't matter organically what's happening there. They're they're looking to create, you know, malls.
1: And that's what happens, right? The downtown plan gets passed, but the vote was 7-2. The only people who voted against it were Ray Gablich and Stephen Neal, who were council members at the time. But otherwise, the whole thing passes. No affordable housing, no community benefits, Unlimited like height you know, requirement, no parking requirements. And it's literally set the people and the people who
0: are there, them.
1: It's literally (laughs) set the stage for all of the like displacement and gentrification that we've like been literally continue to deal with.
0: It's a it's a ripple effect that goes through like the next decade, pretty much, right?
1: So literally there's uh, you know, hundreds of people who come to this city council meeting the night that the count the city council is approving the downtown plan and Robert makes this this, you know, his Speech right before he
0: goes and gets voted on, and they're like families like begging the People, council. Yeah, literally to begging, not, like knowing decimate that their homes,
1: impending displacement is coming. Yeah, right?
0: play the clip. I, I don't want it to get lost tonight. That while we're discussing um, community benefits and issues that are controversial in the community, let's
1: not forget how great we have uh, how, how great plan what great plan we have that the kind of addresses all these other things, and so. For me, for me, the downtown plan is not is not just about this debate, but more importantly, it's about inc- ensuring that we are promoting these important issues like historic preservation, bold architecture,
0: uh, creating density in the right locations, uh, design standards, and all those things that I think are important to, the, to uh, creating a vibrant and successful downtown. So more importantly, it's about these design standards? And let's be clear. Over people. When he, says when- he literally yes. says with his chest. More these things matter more than humans because when he's saying this debate, he's talking about renters. He's talking about li-
1: people who are literally spilling their lives and their entire stories about facing rent increases, facing displacement.
2: Oh my god! But remember where he's coming from. This is somebody who didn't grow what up. If in this- I
1: don't want to. Just
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have not forgotten. No, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. This man. is not go somebody ahead, who, person. This is not somebody who. Uh, this is not somebody who grew up in the city. This is somebody who uh, came to it and wanted more fun stuff to do.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. 100%. So for him creating
2: an entertain- for him creating an enter- a thriving entertainment, yeah. Topic, yeah. regardless of what it's going to do fi- uh, financially, it's going to be able to create a place where he
0: is going to be able to party. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he's looked at Long Beach and said, "Why can't this be more like Orange County?" <laughs> Like, truly. So this is not only, like, some of the, like the
1: his best hits on his council record. There's also his <laughs> marijuana record. Marijuana was interesting
2: because it presented for him, and I I know you guys have a whole episode on it, but Ooh. it was a very serious two challenge. two episodes on it. <laughs> it. was a very serious challenge to him as, an, as a council person because what you had at the same time that they were trying to create, bring in all of this official capital, landlords were desperate. Uh, in the wake of 2008, to mm. fill up empty commercial real estate, and mm. what they found were the only people who were able to pay in cash were <laughs> marijuana dispensaries. Yeah, 2008 was not just a residential collapse; you had a massive collapse in commercial real estate as well. Mm. So you had right. Mm.
1: Um, I remember all
2: that. Yeah, you had a lot of empty storefronts, and empty storefronts need to be filled, uh, but you know, especially with landlords who are outside of the city. And the people, only people who were willing to pay were marijuana dispensaries, and so you had a proliferation—you mm. know, dozens upon dozens of unlicensed marijuana dispensaries. Now they're unlicensed because the city decided to never create any sort of right. licensing structure for yeah, it. Yeah, um, no,
0: no, no, they had ping pong balls, and well, well, eventually they came options.
2: up with that because you had, um, and a lot of it came from an elite gays, who you know, this excuse is the, me. Elite gays from West, <laughs> you know, uh, very similar to what was happening simultaneously <laughs> in West year's Hollywood. This hottest club is
0: <laughs> elite gays. And
2: uh, Palm Springs were saying, no, you actually do have to regulate this because this is a matter of being able to make sure that I can have something that will make it so I can take my, you know, the cocktail.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm.
2: Uh, him and, a you know, for for Long Beach, to its credit at least tries to create some sort of regulatory data, a regulatory structure for marijuana, but they have to do so in a way that meets the, legi- the very strict legal standards set forth by the city attorney at the time, our mm-hmm. friend Bob Shannon. Yeah. So they create this very uh, weird negative uh, um, regulation that was, you know, kind of modeled after what was happening in Los Angeles at the time, mm. where if you meet these certain standards, we will not enforce state law against you. If that makes any sense. Yeah. And in doing so, there's also been alleged to Be some financial chicanery, nothing that would be direct, directly tied Ooh. to Robert Garcia, yeah, it's yeah. But this mo- cheese me, this more is- <laughs> probably more direct, rumored at least to be able to directly
0: towards uh, the no district.
1: No one's ever yeah. gone to jail for cannabis laundry, yeah. <laughs> never,
0: I God. And how's Anaheim doing, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> Future season, <Yeah. laughs> we gotta wait, we gotta wait we, for the story to finish for yeah, us to tell yeah, the story. Yeah. We gotta yeah. find two other cute gays to host the <laughs> podcast in that city, <laughs> but he.
2: He, he took a very careful route to it. Um, he never want, He was never somebody who was going out in front of the issue. He was never mm. somebody who was vocally supportive of the issue, and he voted. It's every,
1: like he was careful about his image. Very careful wow. about his image,
2: and very. And he's never. He, I don't think he even smokes. So it's not like he even had a personal stake in it.
0: So doesn't he, well, doesn't he smoke now? I think. Hmm.
1: I heard a couple times, uh, but
0: I don't think he does. He's it, like, this I... isn't cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: What the fuck is this shit? But he's also All very sleepy. <laughs> and this is the first time that. And again, if he went against it, he's going against the police, who at the yeah. time were steadfastly <gasps> against it. Yeah. Right, right. So he voted yeah. Can't in make favor. The popo mad. And again, every time that the that the uh, court said that they had the ability to ban, he would fall suit, and he voted for the bans.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Thought so. He did. Thought he did. So the other thing that we want to mention is also pension reform. Pension reform
2: was part of the Bob Foster's plan to be able to make us a very lean economic city. So as much as the, as much as he we love the police, you know from their perspective, sure, they're expensive, oh. and they had a defined pension system, which after the 2008 recession basically meant that they were going to be receiving money indefinitely. <sighs> uh, Which, very good deal. Defined pension basically means, like, you will be receiving in perpetuity, based off of your years of service, a percentage of that money, directly from the city, regardless of how long you live, when you retire. Exactly. Wow. So, instead, they got everybody onto 401ks. Now, (laughs) they did this while at the same time having to um, uh, lay off a fair number of officers, which Mm. then the city was sued about and had to pay them back. So... (laughs) You can't do shit to the police
0: (laughs) at any time at any point.
2: The only person who was able to get pension reform actually passed in that manner, and it was a big, it took a ton of political capital away from him in doing that, was Bob Foster with the assistance of Robert Garcia and James Johnson from the seventh, uh, the council person from the seventh district at the time. Wow. It was, you know, basically breaking the the public sector unions. And the way that they did that was instead of operating, the public sector unions, instead of operating. On um, a united front to say no, you, you can't. T- you can't put. If you're gonna put, you can't put the cops on on a 401k. You can't put the firemen on a 401k. You can't put the garbage men on 401k. Mm. Instead, what they did is the police went to them first and said, "Let's make a deal." Um, so the police made a pension reform deal where the older officers were going to be well taken care of and keep yeah. on their pension plan, while any new officers were going to be shunted to the new shitty 401k. Oh man! And after that, each one of the public sector unions fell in line.
0: Oh, God. Whoa. And this
2: was seen as a great accomplishment because what it did is it made the city, it it took off a ton of debt obligations to the city, made it so that we can sell bonds at a much better rate. Hmm. And that's what Robert took as his first big legislative accomplishment because it was his only real one as a way of selling it to (laughs) the voters.
1: Wow. (laughs) Wow. so he carried, like, all the water for that. He
0: carried all the the water for it. But what
2: he found out when he was running for mayor in 2014 is nobody gave a shit. (laughs) It's not a very, it's not a very sexy subject. Yeah, no,
0: you said pension reform and my eyes glazed over. Exactly. I- <laughs> the only people who yeah. it really mattered
2: to were the rank and file officers who were either going to benefit directly from it or yeah. kind of gets screwed over. I'm
1: it. imagining Robert like in a Wee Club, like the ooms, ooms, and he's like, "I did pension reform, <laughs> pension reform." What?
0: <laughs> no, not not penis right. pension reform. Yeah. That's crazy. Do <laughs> you want some Molly? <laughs> That's crazy. It,
1: so, but he did yeah. meet uh, his current husband, Matt. On uh, Molly? In, in WeHo. Oh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like,
2: He's been to Burning Man, too. No. Of
0: course he has. Of course course he has. has. Of
1: course he has. He's a burner. He's a burner. There's
0: like five sincere people that go to Burning Man and then a thousand tech shitty people.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This would have been pre-2014, but he definitely went. Oh, Oh my
0: gosh. gosh. Wow.
1: So, I mean, Stefan, do you, like, literally, like, so is Robert Garcia the problem or is he a symptom of the problem?
2: I've been thinking about that a lot. and. I think individually he's, a very, he's one of many very uh, skilled politicians, which is why he found himself in the position he's in. However, I think he was also a man of his time, because if you look simultaneously to this, you have a r- rise in mayors, which is mm. at different times in American history been a more important position than 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 yeah. others. Mm-hmm. But specifically around the turn of the 2010 era, there you had mayors across the United States. You had Pete Buttigieg, you had Libby Schaff mm. in you Oakland. Had, you had yes, you had uh, Marty Walsh in Boston. You had uh, Michael Bloomberg going into Bill De Blasio. So in these New York, are yeah. exactly so these are all very you know. <laughs> Pro-capital, but socially uh, left-leaning mayors who are pushing through very pro-police, very anti-housing kind of initiatives. I
0: have literally never connected the dots that all those people used to be mayors. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like yeah. I'm suddenly like oh I mean shit.
1: even Eric Garcetti in Los Angeles yeah, right you yeah, yeah. Yeah, think about
2: yeah, yeah. like yeah. Garcetti a bunch of people from that that Garcetti uh, campaign or it wasn't actually his campaign it was the, the the opponent who went on to work in Robert's first campaign for mayor
1: wow okay so you eventually leave working I mean working for Robert and you leave City Hall what's the takeaway you get from all of that yeah
2: I mean are you asking like my own like it's up to you. I mean, I, mean, I got a,
1: it was a very just good, answer the question,
2: yeah, man. It, <laughs> it was an incredibly good crash crash lesson in learning political unlearning political idealism. Whoa. And what I mean by that is like you, you you not only see, you know, it's cliche to say the dark side of things, and instead it's more that <laughs> You you get a very good idea of as to how petty these people are because at the end of the day yeah. it's an office wow. job. Yeah. Well, at wow. the same time, they're, our producers are yeah, they're like, oh <laughs> god, yeah. But you also, I think, and Robert's story is very emblematic of this. You get an understanding of what's necessary to become an elected. You have to want this from the day that you were born, oh. and you have to work it not by learning how to do nerd shit essentially, because it's never what he specialized in. You have to learn oh. how to work your relationships and your network, which is something he's
0: done. incredibly... Exquisitely. From the day out of the womb, he had a business card. I'm going to
1: be the mayor of Long (laughs) Beach. I'm going to
0: be the mayor of Long Beach, he said to that old
2: queen. So, working, so learning, so it's actually really important to understand where he came from, from student government, the mistakes he made, the successes of it, because those were completely mirrored as to how he was growing up in the actual political sphere.
0: Yeah. Dang. Jesus Christ.
1: Also, whoever you told that to, if you're listening to this, hit me up. I'm a headline.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on this episode and listening to James talk. Like, I like the early listen. I like your part, but I like James's little juicy little student story. We it was got. all good. It, it was, was all so good. good.
1: It's so it's it's helping understand <sighs> Robert Garcia, and 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 here we
0: are now. Yeah. And we're gonna so keep... much more to come. God, <laughs> so much. How much so more can I take? Much, of so this much, man. This is the first piece of one of potentially... Many. <laughs> we gotta talk more about this. Yeah, we're we gotta gonna dig talk into more. like him being mayor. Yeah, oh, there's The so menagerie. Much, right? We yeah. still have. We still have to talk about his eyebrows. It'll there's be like be a, a, whole a, episode a sixteen on part that. Shonda Rhimes. Yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, deal, yeah, The right? whole I want to know like tip to toe, who's with who? who's combing his hair, what's right. the guy like, uh. that hands him his gum, you know, like. <laughs> right. And of course, we never got to the fucking bottom of it. Is he a top or a bottom? We gotta do a whole episode on that. I get, we do. We do. That old I man. We gotta find that old man. He'll know. Oh my god. Well, he's got a. Daddy brought him, probably right. Yeah. Oh no, oh, not, not necessarily.
1: necessarily. Okay. Okay. necessarily. All right. He literally do moved. Have- he he
2: was he was also very instrumental in having in and Queen. His- uh, oh, not the Queen Mary. The um, <laughs> Hamburger Marys moved from the second district to the first district, right behind his apartment at the time. Yeah, gotta oh, have my it there. Gosh. Also,
0: Hamburger Marys is for the basics. <laughs> 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 those, are the, those are the basic gays. <laughs> oh. oh God. All right. Well. Thank you so much for listening. Um, you can follow us at LB Chisme on Instagram and Long Beach Chisme on Twitter. If you have any questions, comments, or follow-ups yourself, you can message us at those socials or at lbcheeseman@gmail.com at gmail.com or at Hamburger Mary's in the bathroom or at this... <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. At the Falcon North bathroom. At the Falcon North bathroom, or in the Silver Fox in the Quiet Lounge I love being outside. a good dead gay bar. Yeah, I love a dead gay bar. We need them. Long Beach Cheeseman is brought to you in collaboration with Forth.org, a home for Long Beach grassroots art and media. If you're interested in supporting watchdog journalism you must, you can donate to Forth via Patreon at patreon.com slash F-O-R-T-H-E-L-B-C. I've been Daniel Spears. And I am James Swazom. <laughs> stay queer and stay radical. See ya. I'm so tired. <laughs>